Well, I guess uh, what I've been doing is working because I didn't need an introduction this morning, so that's good. Um, good morning. It's uh, good to see all of you here. I know it's a uh, long holiday weekend, and uh, it's a time when a lot of people get a jump start on the summer. They go and travel. They want to take one last trip before the school year ends. And I think it's great that you all hear great that we're able to recognize seniors. Uh, they're, they're heading off on a, a flight plan of their own, I think. Um, but it is a long weekend. Tomorrow is actually Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is a time when we reflect and remember our fallen heroes who have, in a lot of cases, uh, paid the ultimate price for the freedoms that we enjoy. And, and so if you will, uh, I'd like to take a moment this morning, a brief moment, just to remember them in prayer. Dear Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for the dedication and sacrifice of people who have gone before us and have paid the ultimate price for the freedoms that we so often take for granted. Or especially the freedom to gather here in your name and worship you. And Lord, so we, we want to ask that you would just honor and bless the legacy of those who have given all for the cause of liberty that we enjoy both here at home and all around the world. And we ask especially that you'd be with their families and bless them and minister to them today. Lord, we thank you. And in your precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now this morning we're going to be concluding our flight plan series. And uh, so far, we've learned that through Christ, we have permanent passports. And, and we know that when it comes to travel, a passport... Uh, here's passport, is a legal and official document that verifies our identity and our citizenship. And it allows us to travel freely from one country to another, especially our home country. And the passage that we've been studying, Romans chapter 8, tells us that those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ are citizens of heaven. And, and this citizenship is permanent and non-expiring. You can never lose your citizenship in heaven. And having a permanent passport, that gives you acceptance, it gives you security, and it gives you ultimate hope. And not only does it give us the assurance of the future that God has planned for us, but it should also inform the way that we live our lives here today. Now that we're citizens of heaven, it's time to start acting like it. And then we learn that even as citizens of heaven... There are still times that we go through struggles and hardships. And like a long plane ride, we have to ride in coach class, where the seats aren't very comfortable. Maybe even that, that dreaded middle seat, where we don't have the room to move a muscle, like our friend Steve Martin here in planes, trains, and automobiles. Sometimes a flight that lasts mere hours can feel like a lifetime. Yet we know that it's nothing compared to the rest of our lives. And likewise, the troubles, the troubles that we endure in this life are nothing compared to where we're going. Nothing that we endure in this life compares to where we're going. Now, uh, so, even though life is hard, we have ultimate hope because of the future that Jesus has prepared for us. And last week, we learned that as citizens of heaven, we can call upon the God of heaven 
in prayer at any time, knowing that when we pray, that the Holy Spirit is right there with us, praying with us and praying for us. And that means that we have the power of heaven behind us. It also means that we can write big checks when it comes to our prayers, knowing that we're backed by the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit. He is our overdraft protection. Now, this morning, we're going to be putting a bookend on our flight plan. You see, besides our passport, and besides maybe having overdraft protection, we also need a ticket. And now, there are many younger folks here today that probably have no recollection of a time when you actually had to have a paper ticket. These days, you can check in for your flight from the comfort of your own home and get your boarding pass, print it out, and bring it with you. You can even check in on your smartphone and then use your smartphone as your boarding pass. That's pretty cool. Or, for the rest of us, we just show up at the airport, show our ID, and they print a boarding pass for us right there on the spot. That is special. But back in the day, you had to actually bring a paper ticket because that was your boarding pass. Either that or they would exchange that paper ticket for another paper ticket. And they didn't have you registered in some web database that if you were to just, you know, a dog were to eat it in the airport, you'd be out of luck. Because if you lost your paper ticket, you were really out of luck. That means you were stuck. No flight for you. But now we have e-tickets. These are called electronic tickets, e-tickets. And they are kept in a centralized database. So they're backed up wherever you go. And that is handy. Because when you lose your boarding pass, when you go through the security process, or you happen to leave it on the counter when you order your coffee and your bagel in the airport, you can just go up to the the ticket counter or to the, uh, the gate and have them print you another one right there on the spot. But one thing that an e-ticket can't do, or several things it can't do actually, is it can't be your alarm clock. It can't help you with the traffic. It can't help you with the long lines at security. It can't wake you up from your nap in the airport. It can't help you keep track of time when you're sitting there at the airport cafe, sipping on your latte. Sadly, an e-ticket can't literally pick you up and take you to your seat on your airplane so that you make it on time. Now, I've run many mad dashes through the airports over the years trying to catch those connecting flights. You know when the plane lands late, the one that you came in on, and you've got maybe 15 minutes before you're supposed to close the door on the next plane? And I remember one time when I was going at an all-out sprint with my luggage in tow, just an all-out sprint for the entire way, and it was probably over a mile because this was a larger airport. And I was so out of breath by the time that I got there that the flight attendants actually were worried that I needed medical attention. (laughs) I I don't know what that says, but um, in any event. There was a time not so long ago where I was uh, trying to catch a flight in San Francisco. In San Francisco, I had to to, uh, change planes. And change planes means you have to change terminals. You have to go back out through security, go back in through security, and then you had to take a shuttle just to get to the terminal. And so I'm sitting there on the shuttle to the terminal... And it was a tight connection as it was. Man, I was just stressing. And then I hear that radio traffic between the bus driver of the shuttle 
and, and some other folks, and they said, yeah, we're still waiting on a uh, Mr. Matlock for this Pasco flight. Has anybody seen him? And so I run up to the front of the bus, and I said, that's me. Can, can, you, can you speed it up any? Can we get there? I, I don't think that motivated him at all, but in, in any event... Um, I did make my flight, although I will tell you that the person that I sat next to on that Pasco flight was none too happy to see me. Now, when it comes to flying, if there's one thing that we're afraid of, it's missing the flight. Back in the day, we might have feared that we might lose our paper ticket, our paper boarding pass. But even today, even in the land of e-tickets, in the time and age where we have all this technology... We fear that we may not make it to the gate on time, especially for those international flights where they want you like a billion years early for your flight so they can check your passport again. We feel like we're going to miss that flight. And admittedly, the same thing can be true of our spiritual lives. Even those of us who follow Jesus for a long time, we still have doubts. Many people wonder if our spiritual lives work the way that a flight plan would work where we still have to stress and worry about it all. Where we might have our passport, we might have overdraft protection, and we might have our boarding pass and still miss our flight. We might get left behind. So if you've ever felt that way, or if you're feeling that way this morning, I think you're going to be encouraged by the conclusion of our series this morning. You're going to be encouraged as we go to the scripture and we look and see what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8. And on that note, we're going to be reading in Romans chapter 8. If you want to go ahead and grab your uh, Bible or uh, access the Bible on your electronic device, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be starting in verse 28. We're going to be going all the way to the end of the chapter. That's verse 39. So Romans chapter 8. Verses 28 through 39. Now the Apostle Paul, he's the one writing here, is writing a conclusion to this entire line of thought that we've been going over the past several weeks. And he's giving us this conclusion with the understanding of the assurance that we have as citizens of heaven. So that's Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. And we know... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, He also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life. 
is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is one of those passages that's loaded with meaning and power. Scholars would say that each verse is freighted with meaning. And what that means is it's all packing a power punch. That if it were a big rig trailer, it wouldn't be empty. It wouldn't even be halfway full. It would be loaded to the brim with all sorts of different goods. And we could dive down into any one of these verses and never run out of things to talk about. But I'm going to key in on one verse in particular. The reason is that when you take the whole of this passage, this is what ties together everything that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And that's in verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, now that I read that again, on the surface you're thinking, well, that can't be it. That's the confusing verse. And it's not the one that jumped out at me. But this verse is small, but mighty. It's the operative verse. You see, in this whole thing, we've been talking about being citizens of heaven, what God has done for us. And this is what God has done for us. Paul is talking about our salvation, what he has done to give us our passport, to get us there on our flight plan, to give us that overdraft protection and our boarding pass. Paul is talking about our calling, and he's talking about justification, And he's talking about glorification. Now, these are terms that we've used here at Trinity before. And we know at Trinity, we've we've talked about salvation being a step of, of, of steps. Basically, you've got three major steps or three major milestones. You've got one, and you've got two, and you've got three. And even though once we place our trust in Jesus Christ, we're saved, there are processes that are involved in this. And the first one is justification. That justification is where we're positionally saved. That's where we're legally saved. On paper, we are saved. When we respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you, we are then saved, justified. But even when that happens, we're not perfect. We still make mistakes. We still mess up. And sometimes we sin after placing our trust in Jesus. So the next phase, and that literally lasts a lifetime, is called sanctification, which is becoming more like Jesus. Now, that's a big word, but what it means is subtracting sin from our lives and adding good qualities to our lives. 
It's like bulking up and then body sculpting to make sure that we fit into the clothes that Jesus has picked out for us. And lastly, that third step is glorification. And glorification happens when we depart this world and enter into heaven. And we're literally made perfect. Now, another way to look at it is if we were lost in the ocean and we were drowning, then Jesus has rescued us. But what that looks like is that he pulls us out of the water and he takes us back to the boat. But then after that, when we're on the boat, he gives us medical attention. And he puts a warming blanket over top of us and he lets us rest so that we regain our strength and our health. And he gives us some hot soup. But if that weren't enough, after all of that is done and we've regained our health and we've, we've been restored, he gives us a total makeover. That's what that looks like. Now, One of the reasons why this is important is that when we look at verse 30, Paul writes every word, every verb in the past tense. Paul uses the past tense for the words predestined, called, justified, and glorified. Now, he uses the word, it's a Greek word called doxoxo, and it means It's where we get uh, doxology from, that song that we sing. And it means to glorify. But Paul, when he, he writes this, he uses it in the past tense, meaning it's already happened. Now, he's writing about things that are supposed to happen in our past and in our present and even in our future. But he writes about all of them as if they've already happened that's interesting he writes about them as if they've already happened that's because from God's point of view it's done it's already done you see in John 19:30, we read that while he was on the cross dying Jesus cried out it is finished And the English translation does a horrible job of conveying what he said there. Because in the original Greek, he uses a word that's in what they call the perfect tense. The perfect tense. And what that means, and and you don't have to remember the perfect tense, is that it's something that happened in the past that has real implications and effects that are felt in the present and even in the future. What it means is something that was done that lasts literally for all of time. All of time. Now, how can that be? How could, how could it be that something that was done could cover and take care of my sins that I haven't even committed yet? But I'd like to remind all of you that unless one of you might have a time machine in your garage that at the time when Jesus died, all of our sins were in the future. You see, God is eternal. He stands outside of time and space. So let me ask this same question that Paul does in the passage. What can we say in response to this? What can we conclude 
Well, we conclude that from God's perspective, everything about our salvation, it's done. It's already complete. Our boarding passes are e-tickets. Only the E, in this case, doesn't stand for electronic. It stands for eternal. And on this flight plan, this eternal ticket actually does literally carry you to your seat on the plane so that you make it there on time. So for your notes this morning, the big idea is that when we place our trust in Christ, our fate is secure and certain. Nothing can change what he has done, what he is doing, or what he will do for you. When we place our trust in Christ, our fate is secure and certain. Nothing can change what he has done for you, what he is doing, or what he will do for you. From where God sits, we've already been pulled out of the water and brought back to health. And we've already been given that divine makeover. He sees the entire scene clearly. From the moment where he called to us and we responded to him, all the way through our lives of ups and downs, where we laughed and we cried, where we celebrated and we mourned, where we struggled and overcame, and through it all learned to trust him more, all the way to standing before him and seeing him face to face in the perfection that he had always envisioned and prepared for us. This has always been the case. Ever since he hung on that cross and thought of you and declared, it is finished. In the eyes of God, our flight plan is complete. Our plane has safely landed That's what it means to have an eternal ticket to heaven. And because of this, and this is the first point under your takeaway application in your notes, we never need to fear. We never need to fear. You see, if our ultimate destiny is secure, what do we have to fear? Is there anything that can undo what God has already done for us? Is there anyone or any power that's bigger and badder out there that has God worried or has him running scared? The passage tells us that nothing can separate us from God's love or from his care or from his plans for our lives. We're on the plane. Middle seat or first class, it doesn't matter because our eternal tickets, our boarding pass is literally written on our very souls. We can never lose them. We have eternal tickets that guarantee our trip and no rough air and no turbulence is going to stop our pilot from getting us there. Paul writes that time and space, they can't stop this plane from landing. Neither can the most ferocious created beings that are seen or even unseen. Nothing on this earth, 
No power of nature, no storm, no earthquake, no nuclear weapon can stop it from landing. Not even death. So what or whom then shall we fear? Not only do we never need to fear, we never need to worry. We never need to worry. Now, it's difficult not to worry. It's hard. We have struggles in life that we face, and it's natural to worry about them. But from the perspective of our flight plan, even given the worries and anxieties of this life, Paul reminds us that God gave us his entire self to save us. He didn't spare his own son. It says in the, in the passage, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Literally, literally if he wouldn't spare himself, the most valuable thing in all of the universe and beyond, and all of eternity and beyond, why do we care? And why do we fret? And why do we worry about anything less than that? And why would we think that he would be stingy? Dwight L. Moody, he talked about it like this. He said that if you were to go into a jewelry store and you were to say to the jeweler, what can I afford for my dear wife, whom I love so much, even though I have very little money? And the jeweler brings out his largest, most high-quality, most expensive diamond. And he gives it to the man. And he says, go ahead and take it. I don't want anything for it. It's my gift to you. Do we really think that that jeweler would then begrudge him a worthless paper box to take it home in? But, 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 you say. (laughs) How could I take something so valuable without paying for it? This is where our other worry shows up. We might say, you don't understand, Glenn. You don't understand what I've done. I'm not good enough to receive that kind of mercy, that big of a gift. But notice in verse 33, Paul says, who who will bring a charge against you? There's no higher authority to appeal to than God, and he's already decided already given you a full pardon for everything that you've ever done or are doing or will ever do. Any charge that has been raised against you or ever will be raised against you has been dismissed. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And that leads us to our next point. As we can be assured that He, God, always works for our good. We can be assured that he, God, always works for our good. Now, Romans 8.28 is one of the most popular verses in the entire Bible. And when Paul wrote this verse, it was a restatement and a summarization of everything that came before it and everything that comes after it. This verse is also an appeal to the Old Testament and to the testimony of Joseph. Now, in Joseph's life, we know, if we know the story, that Not everything that happened in his life was good. I mean, betrayed by his brothers and then sold into slavery in a foreign country? 
and then wrongfully accused and thrown into prison, believed to be dead by his family, leaving his parents brokenhearted for decades. Those aren't good in and of themselves. So what do you mean that everything works for our good? Certainly not everything is good. Not not everything was good in Joseph's life. And that's not the point of this verse either. But when Joseph, he looked back on his life, he was able to conclude that God is able to work even the tragedies, even the struggles and the pain and the sin of this world together for the good of both his people and his plans. Likewise, we can trust that even the most senseless and painful things that happen to us, God can use them for our ultimate good. And more importantly, he can redeem every second of our life in a way that points to something greater as we proceed on our flight plan to our ultimate destination. And knowing this brings us to our last point this morning. Because we can get down to business knowing victory is certain. We can get down to business knowing that victory is certain. If we have our passport and our e-ticket to heaven, then our fate is certain. Our flight plan is secure. In all things, we know that God works for our ultimate good. And nothing will separate us from him. But we are more than conquerors of death and sin in this life. We have a purpose and we have a mission. Not only has God saved us, but he has given us a great gift, a great opportunity, and a ministry to share our faith with others. You see, there's still lots of room on that plane. And in fact, Jesus has a spot for anyone and everyone who would come and respond to him and follow him. Our job is simply to get the word out. So the question is, how will we respond? And when will we get down to business? Will Rogers said that even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Maybe getting down to business for you is actually making a commitment to attend church more regularly or a Bible study or a growth group. Maybe it's serving in some way here at Trinity or if you're visiting with us in your local church back home. Maybe something like being involved in the Trinity Kids program this this summer or another ministry like the, the movie nights. Maybe it's simply sharing more of yourself with the people that you come into contact with every day. It may be having that conversation with someone that you know needs this kind of ultimate hope to grab a hold of them and literally take them and put them on their seat on the plane. And for that matter, all of us can pray. All of us can pray, especially knowing that the Holy Spirit has our backs. He's our overdraft protection. So whatever it is, and no matter what the results may appear to be, know that your future and your victory is certain. Now, I have a special word for those who've done the whole church scene before. Maybe you were brought up in the church, but honestly, it hasn't been a really important part of your life. Or maybe you just haven't been exposed to church much at all. But this idea of a guaranteed flight plan and of an all-powerful God that makes complete sense out of every part of your life, if that sounds good to you, 
but you're not so sure. You just, hey, I just want to understand more about it before I make a decision. Well, that's okay. I encourage you to, to keep on exploring and engaging and seeking to know Jesus and who he is. But let me just push back on that a little bit this morning and challenge you and let you know that, you know, you don't have to know everything there is to know about God or the Bible to follow Jesus. In fact, you can know next to nothing about either of those things and still follow Jesus. After all, you don't have to know everything there is to know about airplanes or how to fly one to ride on one. Now, if you'd like to take your seat on the flight we're talking about, it's as simple as deciding that Jesus is the one that you can trust to help you overcome any sin, any struggle that you've ever faced or are facing today. And that you're ready to make a change. And that you're ready to trust him to be the pilot of your flight plan and of your life. And if you have any questions or concerns about that, then I encourage you to ask somebody here that you know and you trust here at Trinity. Or you can come find me or Pastor Chris after we dismiss this morning. Or you can fill it out on your blue connection card and and drop it in the offering plate here in a couple minutes. Now as we conclude this morning, is there something that you have felt has separated you from God's love and his plans for you and your life? If so, I want you to know that no matter where you're at or what you're going through, God loves you. And if you trust him, then you already have a passport and an e-ticket to heaven. And he can and he will make sure that not a single drop of your life is wasted. That all of it works out for your good. And absolutely nothing can separate you from his love and from his plans for your life. So if you're carrying around some piece of luggage that's been making you feel like you're separated from God this morning, why not let go of that? Why not let go of that? And for all of us, let's remember that we have the blessing of absolute assurance that what God did for us, it's permanent. It's done. It's for keeps. Nothing can undo what he's already done. As he said and declared, it is finished. And let us all imagine as a church together what great things that we can accomplish knowing that nothing can separate us from God. Now, I'm going to uh, ask you to play along with me this morning because I want to dismiss or you know, end this service in an unusual way. So if you're willing to play along with me, if everyone would stand, everyone would stand. Now... And if you can't stand, that's fine. What I'm going to ask is that we're going to play a little Simon Says here, so to speak. So if I raise my hand in the air, I want you to say nothing. So let's practice that. Very good. I think we're ready. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
Neither the present nor the future. Nor any powers. Neither height nor depth. Nor anything else in all creation. Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's say that together. Let's say this together. Nothing can separate me. Nothing can separate me. Nothing can separate me. Don't forget that nothing can separate you. You may take your seats and let's pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you have done it all. It is finished. Lord, we have our passport and we have our seat on the plane. We have our eternal ticket that guarantees our trip and our flight plan. When we come to faith in you and we respond to your call, Lord, you have done it all. You have saved us. You are making us more like you and you are going to glorify us and make us perfect. And from your perspective, it's all done. It's all done. Lord, we thank you that even through the trials and hardships of this life, even though we might agonize over uh, flying in, in, in the proverbial middle seat in the struggles that we have in this life, that you're right there with us. And Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, for your ministry to us, that even as we pray, that you're right there with us, praying with us and for us. And Lord, we thank you that we can know and we can leave here this morning knowing that nothing can separate us from your love or your plans for our lives. Lord, I ask that each person would be ministered to this morning as they walk out this morning knowing that in confidence and you would use that and leverage it for your good. Lord, we thank you for all these things and in your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. If you've enjoyed this series, uh, you know they often say in communication, out of everything that you study, you're lucky if you can communicate 10% of that.